My name is Abby Mickey. We're here to watch Amso Gold live today on this beautiful Sunday. Um, I'm joined by Lauren Rowney, my partner in crime. Lauren, hello. Hi. Sorry, my video is not on. I just don't want to mess with the internet right now. And hopefully I'm clear. Your voice is clear and that's all that matters. <laughs> Matt Deneef is here as well. Welcome back, Matt. Hi, thank you. Do I sound like I'm in a remix now or is my audio okay? You sound great. <laughs> Excellent. Glad to hear it. We are super excited that we have Brody Chapman on today. She's currently out with injuries, so we decided to pull her into this episode of the podcast and chat with her about, you know, racing bikes. Brody, thank you so much. No worries. It's um yeah, it's good to be on here and try try and stay relevant <laughs> for lack of a better term. Because I feel like I'm so out of cycling world when I'm just at home, you know, on the ergo. So it's good to watch. I mean, I mean, I watch every single race, but it's also nice to chat about it. Yeah, for those who don't know, Brody crashed at Ghent Wevelgem and has been out since. What what injuries did you have? It was pretty extensive. Yeah, so I first of all I got like knocked out um but I do remember crashing I remember like just being wiped out very instantly and then sliding on my head and then I was like oh no I'm not I don't think I'm getting back up and then the rest of it's a bit of a blur and then I was in an ambulance and then I was in a Belgian hospital where they told me that I broke my sacrum which is a really difficult bone to break because it's quite solid and it's like in the middle of your body so I kind of landed on my ass and um yeah broke fractured my sacrum it's not a it's not a unstable fracture so it's not displaced which is good um but it still was quite painful and quite it's quite weird because it's like in the middle of your body so kind of every system is a little bit affected by it um and then I, yeah, I had a I had a concussion obviously as well so just took it really easy um stayed in the hospital a few days team looked after me then I came home and I got back on the ergo, on the TT bike specifically, because you don't really sit on your sacrum area on the TT bike. You sit really far forward, so it takes a lot of pressure off. Um, yeah, so that's what I've got. It's pretty manageable. I can walk around and function, and the concussion symptoms have mostly subsided. But it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. And this is about the time of year that you would be kind of beginning your targets, right? Like the the Ardennes, you've done well at in the past. You were an amazing teammate last year to Marta Cavalli when she won Flesh Alone, and uh, we're coming into the stage race season, which are obviously very well suited for you, so. Yeah, I am obviously devastated to be missing the Ardennes. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I first of all, my the first race I missed was Flanders and Dwarfsdorf Flanderen, and I thought that maybe that would be the only ones I'd miss. But then I realised that in fact I'm going to be out a lot longer than I anticipated. So yeah, it always sucks to miss races, and you kind of flip between these feelings of like it's fine. It's just like you watch it from the couch. Everything's mostly fine. You're healthy. Life's good. And then I have these moments of then going to like absolute bottom of my stomach devastation that I'm like I can't believe this race is happening I'm not there like what what would I be doing where could I be what like just yeah you like oh no like I have to wait a whole other year now until I can do this again and who's to say that I get a chance to do it again and what shape I'll be in and like yeah I think um I'm not 20 years old so I'm not like yeah I've got 10 more flesh balloons ahead of me <laughs> Brie we're watching with about 25 k's to go and the weather's been 
pretty horrible at Amstel Gold today. Do you miss racing in conditions like this? Would you still rather be out there or are you pretty happy to see this one out? No, I'd still rather be out there. I don't mind the conditions because the conditions are just the race. Like, I don't see the conditions as separate to the race. That's the whole thing with road racing. It's an outdoor sport. Um, the weather conditions can change the whole race dramatically, which is, again, what makes it exciting. It's not just like we close the stadium off when it rains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, Wevelgen was absolutely freezing. Um, I was so cold and nothing happened for the first 30Ks because it was a headwind out in a, you know, and it was so cold. And I do think that it makes a difference because people struggle to eat um, as much as they need, but at the same time, they're actually using more energy to try and stay warm and attentive mm-hmm. and it affects everything. It affects your um, ability to pay attention. It affects your ability to react quickly. Um, plus there's also some riders who are more comfortable and capable in this kind of conditions, like skillfully and others who are definitely not. So I, I think I try to not let it get to my head. I think I just take it as part of the race. Um, and then you've got people like Lotta Kopecky right now who seem to be able to dress and undress seamlessly in these conditions. Not happy though, <laughs> not happy. No, no. she's not, not happy. Looks a bit mad, yeah. but it's not very often that we see female riders get like angry during races. Yeah, I think you don't see it so much on TV. I definitely see it and hear it in the peloton. I hear, you know, and like I've certainly gotten angry in races before, but I think, yeah, you don't often see it on TV um, that close up. But yeah, Brody, who's the Who's the most vocal these days in the peloton? You know the how most? there's always that one rider? Who would it be? I'm not sure. Like, I I would just say Italian riders in general <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely like to use their voice. But it seems like a lot more people are using the screaming tactic to try and um, move their way through the peloton. But I'm like, that's a bit of a cop-out because you should just be able to move through the peloton without screaming all the time. Um, but yeah, so I'd say the Italian riders, it definitely used to be Chloe Hosking. She used to be mm-hmm. quite vocal, but interestingly, she would often say occhio, which is an Italian word for like, look out. So which is kind of funny. So wonder where she learned it from. <laughs> the days on Cipollini, maybe. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, these, what these conditions look uh, pretty gnarly, but I do think that, you know, Dutch and Belgian riders certainly thrive in these conditions. I remember Sharin Van Anroy telling me at one of the last races that um, she she didn't it didn't really bother her. I mean, I was like, this girl races cyclocross. She races in snow. She races in winter. Um, but she actually did say that Gant Wevelgem was worse than cyclocross because I guess you had to be out there for four or so hours <laughs> rather than an hour of power. Brody, I'm curious about your your team's tactics today. Obviously, you're not at the race, so you didn't get to sit in on the meeting, but we've seen Lucinda Brand up the road for most of the race, and they, they just got caught as we're watching it, but I would find that an interesting rider to put up the road. Yeah, I think that it kind of um, makes the race aggressive. It makes it hard and more selective. If, um, if we have a rider like Lucinda who... I mean, only she can know her true shape at the moment. She's obviously someone who could win this race. But if she's up the road, she is a threat. And it does mean that other teams have to work and not give her too much time. So they potentially have to use riders to bring her back. And also um, this kind of attacking and chasing just makes the race more selective. You can see how many riders are going out the back now. 
not only domestics, but um, yeah, I mean, domestics that could be helping potential race winners or people who might win in a scenario where it's a less hard race. So I do see that Trek's just trying to create a hard race and put pressure on the other teams to react. What's it like going from the Cobbled Classics into the Ardennes? Because it's still it's still a one-day race. It's still raced very differently from like a stage race, for example. But the Cobbled Classics are like a completely different beast than the Ardennes. And we notice that a lot of teams have switched out their riders and they're, they have new rosters for races like this. Or there's kind of like a hybrid of the roster that they had before. Like clearly SC Works has Lorena Wiebus and Lota Capecchi on this team. Um, mate, I think I'm ahead, guys. But... <laughs> Lorena Weebers is just launched out of the bottom of the Calberg. Well, don't a ruin attack. it if you're ahead. Oh, come on, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, you've got to celebrate the win before us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think in, to answer your question, yeah, like we've seen um, the riders from the Coldwood Classics becoming a little bit more specialised in that sense and then giving the riders who want to thrive in the Ardennes um, a bit more opportunity to, like, train specifically. And that also means that there's less chance of those riders, you know, crashing beforehand or having an injury or just being, you know, tired and sick. You want to come into these races like the Ardennes that, as we can see, are super challenging, just as fresh as possible. So I guess a few more like more climby specific riders will skip out the Cobbled Classics um, and then really focus on hitting these three Ardennes and Brabant's Appeal as well, which seems to be kind of like the Dwarsdorf-Landeren of the Ardennes week. So... Yeah, it's good because you can see this level is super high and, you know, riders like Elisa Balsamo on our team, she's having a bit of a break now because she's had a really busy first part of the season. And then so she'll be able to have a good race after all the classics and then reset for the stage races. It seems like Weebus is just trying to get in front of everybody so that she doesn't get spit out on the back of the climb. But like, I love this because it's was, like she went in yeah. so quick. But she's she went in so quick, though thinking that maybe she was going to set a hard tempo for her teammates because then she looked back like, oh, okay, there's a big gap now. But um, the bunch seems to be racing up the Calberg quite conservatively. I thought with two to go, they might race a bit harder up here this time, but maybe this says something about how hard the race was. One to go, sorry. Yeah, this but is the second, second time, last second last time up. Yeah. Yeah, it's still I mean, quite a big group. Yeah. Yeah. Anamik's just having a drink. It's pretty tranquilo right now. What are your thoughts on this, Brody? I do think we might see a bigger group going to the final. Um, we've seen that a little bit more in women's races now. There's, I mean, our sprinter kind of girls are getting a lot more versatile as well as, um, I don't know, I think, yeah, I think we could see a bigger group. Like there's a lot of really strong riders all with like kind of similar opportunities these days, like, similar access to training and resources and equipment and nutrition and expertise. So I think you're seeing that in the Peloton, that there's a bit more of a level playing field, which does make the whole competition a lot harder. Um, I'm really expecting to see some attacks on this lap now. I mean, you don't really want to take this many people to the final. Brady, we talked about um, Alicinda Brown being up the road and you mentioned um, Alisa Balsamo just before. You know, you, your team in this race comes in with, you know, Alisa Longo-Mogini, Amanda Spratt, Sharon Vanway, three riders that you would think could be a really good chance to go deep into the race. Can you talk a little bit about how the team balances having multiple threats in a race like this and how you would approach it at this point in the race in particular? Uh, my experience so far on Trek is that everybody's really honest with each other. Like it's quite obvious we have a stacked team with multiple people who could win a race given the scenario. 
but from what I see so far is that um, we go in with these numbers. Before the race, the girls will talk about, you know, how they're feeling, what their shape's like, like realistically, rather than just always defaulting to one or two litres no matter what. And um, and then during the race, yeah, seeing how they feel, talking to each other um, and using, yeah, I think using that honesty to then give the person who's who's going the best and experiencing the race the best the chance to win. And also riding for each other, like we saw in the Tour of Flanders, that um, uh, Elisa Longo-Borghini was doing a lot of work um, for Shirin Van Anroy because realistically Shirin was going so well. Um, and then towards the end, you saw the tactic change and Shirin really um, kept the pace high so that Elisa Longo-Borghini could take the sprint for a podium. So the ability to adapt and change, like it's not just like you know you're the leader from the very start and you're the leader no matter what, you do really have to adapt to how the race is raced and how you feel. So I think that's really, really mature of Trek and really professional to have all these riders that are able to be honest and know that when their opportunity comes, they'll be able to take it with both hands. I'm surprised that we're seeing Kristen Faulkner off the front right now and that they're giving her any space. Obviously, there's still a chase going on behind, but you think by now people would know not to give her any room. It Can shocks me every time. <laughs> how, how strong Weebers has been today. So yeah. she did just did that epic turn into the Kalberg and now she's back on the front pulling. She's yeah. really determined that people will stop saying that she's a pure sprinter is what's happening. <laughs> well, I think when she's she made her point. Trofeo Binder, everybody was a bit shocked that she didn't, you know, it seems like in that time of year, all the kind of sprinters and classics riders stay in Belgium and then you have your little climbing team come and do Binder. Um, but then Lorena Weber showed up and it actually did impact the race because nobody wanted to bring her to the line. But I would say it was a good a good tactic from Lorena or SD Works to give her an opportunity to do a low-pressure race that is quite climby but can come to a sprint just to get that feeling in the legs. Like, it's extremely different training on climbs to doing a race with climbs. So it was cool to see her at a race like Binder um, having a go. And <laughs> I sound like she's a junior. Having, having a go. Lorena Weaver's having a go at races. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking as a junior, she did win that race um, as exactly. an under 19, I believe. So she's she, always been yeah. quite versatile. She She was also like... I've said this on other episodes, but like on DSM, they really kept her out of a lot of races. And I feel like it's been quite the opposite on SD Works. And I really enjoyed it because the you can't win as many races as Lorena wins and be as good as her and not be more versatile than you appear if you're only able to do the races that are sprint finishes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm also shocked that um, Kristen Faulkner has some room. I mean... She is a powerful rider. She obviously has the ability to attack and then sustain such a high power that people can't respond that immediately and then sustain the same power as she has. Um, I always use this one example that I was in a small move with uh, Faulkner. At the Giro last year, I attacked and it was on a 9K climb and I was up the road and she bridged across to me and I, here I was thinking, great, a breakaway companion. This is so good and she, you know, went to take her turn on the front and just like rode me off the wheel. And I was like, uh, like I, there's no two ways about it. Like I could not sustain the power she was doing for, for any longer than, you know, a few minutes. And we had um, like six kilometers ahead of us still. And I was just like, well, I'm going as hard as I can. And it, it could very well be that you see the riders behind going as hard as they can, but it's just not enough to, to, to get to Faulkner that quickly. Um, but yeah, I think, 
what you do need is multiple teams chasing, which we can see right now. If it's just one person trying to match her power to power, it's not going to work. So it's cool to see everybody reacting um, with multiple teams now. That's not done yet, though. We have Ann Faulkner up the road. That would be quite an interesting race. One time I was in a race with Mariana Voss and she attacked and I miraculously I was on her wheel at that point. And so I followed her attack. I don't know how I was able to follow it. Don't ask me. It was like, must have been some kind of magic. And we were off the front, just the two of us for like, I don't know, 500 meters. And she looked behind and she saw me and she just went, huh, and then <laughs> rode me off her wheel. <laughs> it's, it's, it's demoralizing and humbling at the same time just to be quite literally ridden off the wheel when you think you're going well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this is um, this is looking really hard now. Like I can just imagine riders are trying to dig really deep to find that that just that bit to just stay in the group. You know, like it becomes real, really a race of truth at this point when you can see riders just losing a wheel or two, and you think, come on, just push a little bit harder. But then they might very well be on their limit. Um, and it's just about trying to trying to stay in the wheels and stay where you can. Pushing, pushing a limit always at this point in the race. Yeah, we're really starting to see the the big names come to the fore here, aren't we? Like, you can see Van Vluten in the background, see Van Roy, Lippitz there as well. Um, you know, really, really starting to get into the crunch time these last few climbs as they get back to Valkenburg. Another rider for me who's looked really strong today, and she's always super composed, is Rihanna Marcus. So I, I don't know. I have a feeling she's going to have a really good day today, but it's going to be a question of, what this group does in the next 15 kilometers, because even though riders are starting to get shelled, we haven't seen any massive attacks from the big the big guns yet. Yeah, I agree with you about Marcus. I do think she's had to use a bit of energy earlier on, though, um, which w will probably take the sting out of her legs in the final. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've been impressed by her for a long time. Like she doesn't know, but I'm a fan. Um, even when she won that stage at Norway and then when she won the Dutch Nationals, like I guess a bit of an outsider just considering how stacked the, all the riders in the Netherlands are. Um, and then you've just seen her go from strength to strength, for lack of a better term, being on Jumbo. So um, it's cool. But I, I feel like, yeah, they, they do have options. They have many options in this group as well. Oh, hello, go. An attack. How fun. I'm like still a little bit ahead, so I'm not going to say anything if it's, yeah, you have to contain your game. excitement. I know, I know. I'm just what like, that's why I'm a bit silent. <laughs> I'm just watching yeah. it unfold. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm yeah. sorry. Um, if if it's the last lap and it's the Kalberg, I might be yelling stuff. Maybe I'll just mute myself. Just mute yourself. You, you might yeah, <laughs> you might have to mute yourself. Um, this is an interesting move, though, from uh, Sarai Paladin. I mean, she's someone who this race suits. She's like a splimer sprinty climber yeah. or a climby sprinter depending what time of year it is um yeah and Super. it's cool to see her go deep into the race like with cassie and noah doma she's been super active today um and is obviously having a good day and i sometimes wonder with riders like that you know when they continue to play the cassia card i love cassia but would it be better to maybe just switch things around sometimes and and give soraya more of a a leadership role yeah, I feel like she she does get that role, but maybe she doesn't have the entire team around her to do that or, like, because she's not a really, really specific type of rider, it kind of depends how the race plays out. But it is cool to see Canyon being really aggressive now. Like, they do have that depth and they have a very versatile team in that 
a lot of those riders kind of can be in the mix in all kinds of races, which is cool. Um, I'm just a little bit afraid. I feel like maybe, I feel like I'd be watching Faulkner. I feel like she could go again, (laughs) but then, you know. (laughs) Also, we've got Demi is obviously up here now and that's, yeah. And Anamika has been close to the front for the last, the whole last lap. And she's obviously not had the season she she would have hoped so far. So yeah. There, as I said, her name. Oh, wow. She heard this me. Is... She was like, "She did." Her ears started tickling, and this she was like, also, "Oh, I better go now." Oh, yes. Rare races that Ben Blitton actually hasn't won as well. Yeah, she's been um, she's been close, but yeah. This is such. This uh, is one of my favorite races because I feel like it's really hard to predict. Like the year that Kasha won in twenty nineteen was maybe one of my favorite races that year. Like you, you, she, that was just such an awesome race and her win was awesome. Obviously Marta last year was just incredible and was like the start of, I've been saying that Marta was a rider to watch for like two years before that. And for that to be her first big win and to take it here, I just feel like this race has something special and it's not been on the calendar super long, obviously like every single year in 2017 and, um, and I think it, I think it's just a really special race. I'm, uh, I'm bummed that it's, I don't think it gets the, um, gets the, the love that it should, in my opinion. I don't know. Well, it was, um, it was a big classic, um, for the women back in the day of, I think, Leontine van Morsel. And then it just disappeared because I guess they, they didn't have the funding, um, or, supposed interest which is a shame but i mean i love this race i love watching it um and it's also it's like marks really well as Brody was saying brabant's appeal is kind of the dwarf flandron before the week of the ardennes oh this is a good move it's interesting to see animate van vloten attack but she didn't keep going and i thought that was more of her benefit was that she could attack and keep going whereas maybe if she had attacked waited to the cowberg it's not long enough for her to really carve out an advantage but she actually sat up when she saw that there was a lot of people still on the wheel and now we're seeing a bunch of counter attacks that we haven't seen anything big from Demi or Elisa Longo Borghini yet so maybe those riders are kind of you know they're strong enough to stay in the group but try and save those accelerations for you know potentially race winning moves but it's cool that we're seeing the teammates of, um, yeah, of teammates in general um, attacking and making the race hard. So it kind of is giving everyone a little bit of an opportunity there just to see how many people they can crack before the final. Exactly. And I mm-hmm. think in a pre-race interview, Anamique was saying, um, you know, this is her last year racing, so she says, and this is one of the races she hasn't ticked off that that very long list of races she's won. And she really needed a very hard race today and it to be going into the Kalberg super hard because she recognises the effort that you need to sustain up there just isn't long enough for her to crack other riders. Um, mm. She prefers the longer climbs like Liège where you have about five minutes. Um, so for me, I don't think today will be the day for Anamit just looking at how the peloton is riding now on the TV. Um Maybe this is a day for Liana Lippert if for for the movie star team because she's not been super active. I don't know if she was one in one of the earlier moves today, but since the live coverage has come on. 
I hope so. I'd lo- I mean, obviously, obviously, I want Trek to win. Um, but I, I do really rate Liana Lippert as a writer, and I hope that, you know, sometimes from the outside it doesn't really appear like Movistar go all in for one specific writer um, except for Animeek or, you know, obviously because she wins a lot of races. But it would be cool to see Liana Lippert launch one of her signature extremely punchy moves on the Cowberg. It is a climb that would suit her capabilities really well. Um, and she was showing really good form at uh, Brabant's Appeal as well. So, um, yeah, but again, she has, I mean, the, the great thing is she has Anamique on her team. So, you know, either of those could, either of those girls could win, but I think like you're right, it's not long enough for Anamique, but you never know. The thing with Anamique is although she's not typically punchy, she has probably the best fatigue resistance out of this whole peloton. So at the end of a hard race, um, it's likely that she's actually the freshest, relatively speaking. So we saw that at the World Championships um, in her move, and it was surprising. But like, just given Anamique's training and physiology over the many, 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 many years she's been training the way she does, she does have the best fatigue resistance, I would say, and that changes things at the end of a hard race for sure. Somebody said in the chat that they're trying to spot Cavalli, and I, I think, pretty sure I spotted her there near the back. And obviously we got Spratty up at the front here and I just saw Flirty Mackay come back on to the back. So there's still a lot of really, really interesting riders in this group. It's we're in like the crunch time, 10 K to go crunch time chaos. Is it, is it too early to talk about what happens if Volering and Kopecky get to the top of the climb together? What happens with SD works, how they ride that? The answer is they race each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think um, if that's I- the case, Demi's gonna have to put in a big whack and go. I think De- I think Demi will attack the Kalberg before Lotta, and Lotta will be there and able to sprint if it comes back. I mean, Demi hasn't made any big moves yet. Um, again, we saw her strength at Brabant's appeal, and I think being a Dutch rider as well always gives you that bit of extra motivation. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see how big the group is now, and questioning how small it will be at the final. Like last year, one of the FDG riders was up the road. Um, with five k's to go, and you know had a had a decent little gap, and then it just disintegrated as soon as everybody started really, really going for the final. So it's pretty cool to see how many attacks are happening here from all the teams. It's really exciting racing, um, and yeah, you just don't know. There's so many like we we could discuss so many potential winners from potential scenarios. So it just keeps you glued to the screen. If you were gonna pick somebody, Brody, who would you pick watching this right now? Who would I? Who would I pick? I you can think, have a heart pick and you can have a head pick. I'll allow it. I want Elisa Longo-Borghini to win because she hasn't used her kick yet. And she did a lot of work at the Tour of Flanders and still got a podium in a sprint at the end. So I would like to see Elisa Longo-Borghini win this race. Um, yeah. Who do I actually think is going to win? I think it will come down to a reduced sprint. And I think someone like Lotte Kopecky could win. Or um, Soraya Paladin is going to win because, like, I mean, she's, riding, be awesome. she's, she's riding so it. well right now. She's off the front again. She's got a gap. She's, like, this is super impressive from her right now. Totally, totally. Like, I'm not surprised because I know her strength and her versatility. Um, but Ooh, I'm the yeah, stoked to see her just going this hard. I mean, obviously, a Cassia win would be nice because we all love Cassia and she's won this race before and I know she really loves it. Um, it's just a question of how. I, I 
I don't think she'll get, be given any rope on the Cowberg, but I know that she can put out an incredibly high, incredibly high power to weight on a climb like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so attacky. It's going to be like, who's got anything left? <laughs> Go Soraya. Well, you know, watching Adam Meek has in the past few minutes been doing a ton of work with all these micro accelerations and she tried to, to bridge across to Soraya, but just actually sat up. Hmm. So it's making me question what we're going to see happen on the Kalberg with her because Lippert is just sitting pretty right now. But um, and now it looks like another rider has gone clear from F to J. I'm not going to say who, um, which is going to be. Still a spoiler if you don't tell us who. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, you can guess who because she's been doing a ton of work today too. But this is a rider you don't want to give room. Grace. Yeah. Grace. She did the same uh a few years ago, I think she attacked late, like almost 10k yeah. to go in the uh, in Amstel Gold. Yeah, it's 20, 2021. I mean, you've got to, it's at this point of the race, you know, everybody's really tired. And so putting someone on the front and just riding back those riders that are up the road becomes a lot harder. Like everyone's legs are empty. Like I would have to say, I've only done Amstel, I think maybe twice or three times. But it's the first race where I truly felt my legs burning the next day. I was shocked. I'd never had that feeling before. I was on Tibco and I woke up the next day and I was like, what is going on? Like my sleep was hot. Like my legs were just hurting. <laughs> I was like, never done as many little little uphill sprints in my life um, in a race like Amphla Gold. So it is so, it is so hard. It's hard to comprehend just how, how much everybody's legs would be hurting right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously like the – the sh- the climbs one after another this entire race there's a ton of climbing in this race and they're all like 1k ish so they're longer climbs than in Flanders but they they grade on you like they just take something out of you every single time it doesn't matter where you're positioned in the peloton it just takes something out of you every single time you hit one of these climbs by the time they get into these circuits with the three climbs it's just like every single time it's just like boom 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 punches to the legs so makes sense that at this point, seven kilometers to go, as I'm watching it, everybody is like, oh man, this has been a long day. The weather is horrendous. They, they might be cold. I don't know. Spectators are wearing down jackets. So that's not obviously not <laughs> warm. So yeah, it's a great race though. So much the, scenario change, the scenario could very well change within the last three kilometers. And then as we saw last year, the scenario can change within the last 300 meters as well. If everyone looks at each other. So I mean, I know you're ahead, Lauren, but if Grace does make it across and can push on with Soraya, that is a dangerous move and it puts pressure on, yeah, SD Works, Trek, Movistar to just try and reel it back in. Like you really do need to just use up your domestics to just try and mitigate the damage to that gap for sure. Exactly, because what we've seen on the Kalberg happen quite a few times is it's raced so hard and then – Quite often there's that little lull at the top because people are obviously completely effed by this point. Mm. But it's also sometimes that realisation, oh, shit, there are still other riders around me. Um, mm. And it's it's that moment then, I think, when Cavalli made her move last year and yeah, just exactly. powered away. I have a question. Is Alex Manley still in this group? I can't. 
Like, I was wondering if Faulkner had any teammates, but I've honestly only seen one Jaco Alula helmet. There's two. There's two Jaco Alulas in there, and the other one is blonde. I can't see the number because she's got a gilet on, but blonde hair coming out the back. Ingrid, so, the Norwegian, maybe. Like, possibly. like I would not be surprised if she was still there. She's this race kind of suits her as well. But like, I would say. I don't think Alex Manley is in her best race winning form at the moment, but on paper this is a race that would suit her and that she she would be able to win from like a reduced sprint. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I just don't think she has the form at the moment. Um, She had COVID, et cetera. Um, But, yeah, in the future, (laughs) I think this is a race she could target. There's, I think there's maybe three. Three Jaco Lewis. Yeah, I think there was three Jaco riders in there. Yeah. But one of them and has I've had a working. very quiet spring, <laughs> other than yeah. Faulkner's podium at Strada. Was, mm. Well, yeah. Matilda podium says that yeah. Anne San Sebastian is. San Esteban. San Esteban. San Esteban, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I always, I, yeah, it's easy because she's. <laughs> She's Basque, and there's a city in the Basque country called San Sebastian. Yeah, so. that's what I was thinking <laughs> in my head. San Esteban Chavez. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, wow. All right, so two up the road with around eight seconds to go. Eight seconds to really the peloton. dangerous riders up the road. Yeah, I just I think that the riders that have been saving their kick Will have, I mean, they obviously have to use it on the Cowberg now. It will, it's been quite an effort to make this move, but like once Grace Brown is in this position, I also think she feels extremely motivated as well. Once she's got herself in the front of the race, she can find her rhythm. Um, you know, she can pick her own lines, and so she'll be giving it absolutely everything right now. Um, but I think with only an eight second gap, that can just disappear instantly on the climb like the Cowberg. So riders like Demi Vollering, Elisa Longaborghini. Um, we'll, we'll have to, you know, Liana Lippert will have to use their energy on the Cowberg if they want this move to come back. I love that someone said that, group um, two syndrome, please. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting there that um, Grace Brown turned around to get uh, Paladin to, to pull through and she refused. So uh, I guess she's looking for Cassia back in the main group or has Shabby done much yet? She's been on the front a few times, I think. Shabby's been pretty right? active today, um, yeah. but uh, maybe Paladin is really feeling, I mean, she's had an incredible race today. She would be feeling it now and probably doesn't think that she can hold on to, to Brown's wheel, I'm guessing, um, if she goes over the top. It is not the moment for people to be pausing, though, but we've seen this time and time again. Grace just has to to go full gas now and give it everything, and then whatever happens, you know, she's got teammates in the back. Um, but this is the perfect perfect situation. And actually, if FDJ, uh, it's Marta Cavalli and is Cecile there today? Yeah, she is. She is I yeah. mean, I've seen to have Grace up the front, if if she can crest the climb and then put in a bit of a, a last effort. Um, again, I'm a bit of a head ahead in the the coverage right now, but I think it's going to depend how hard they hit the Cowberg when they get there, because it's entirely possible that they would hit there if they don't have enough time going into that the the group behind. If they hit it hard enough, they might just bridge. Oh wow! 
this is not what I thought was going to happen. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I'm okay. Don't say anything because now I'm just seeing group two turn into the cowboy and I'm expecting fireworks. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such an impressive ride by the two riders out the front. This is exactly what they have to do. They can't leave anything out there now. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just really curious what's happening behind. Like, if not now, when? Well, the, the pressure is on now. I will, I will hold, I'll just bite my tongue. Because yeah, you, you need guys to. Are on the same, I'll, I'll contain the excitement within because okay. two of our favorite riders are doing really good. <laughs> really good. Yeah, yeah, you need to, you need to put your, your phone on mute. Um, yeah. I was going to say that I wonder how Voss is going to do today. She's been up there like all day. She's been just hovering. And remember when she won Ghent Webblegam and she like literally never hit the front. She just like chilled, waited for Trek to kind of make their own mistakes, God. and then Lauren. Here we this. go! Wow, whoever wow. said Ryan Marcus was on a good day was not wrong. Yeah, um, seriously. Yeah, that actually. Oh no way! Wow. And so where liquid. is Vollering? Yeah, where is Vollering? I don't see her in the top. Ah, maybe that's her is. just behind. Yeah. She's taken off the gilet. That's why I didn't recognize wow. her. Wow. Wow. Anime Vim way out the back. Why is she riding other riders back across when her teammates up in front? Oh, guys, here comes the move. <laughs> it's what I said. I wish that, I wish you could have asked me to pick the winner. Shush, shush. Lauren, I don't know if I can mute you myself. I, but I think I you might have to. You might have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's hard to have a conversation at the same time I don't know how the commentators do it but well, this la, is, yeah, the beauty I mean, of this is that only 56 people get to see us be in shock and then we can I get to edit it afterwards <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point I mean from what I say because I'm not I'm not a, in a head Demi Vollering is now using that that big explosive kick that else has used a few times so she yep. was very patient um, which is really mature and awesome to see. And we've seen her do that in a few races as well. Um, and, so, yeah, that's, and as, that's a hard one to bring back. And as somebody said before, Kopecky in the group behind just waiting. So if, if Oren gets brought back, then you've still got Kopecky ready, ready to go. Yeah, that's All right. That's I, pretty, I can join the brilliant. conversation now, I think. Okay. okay. <laughs> How um, many times has Kasia been in this situation in races? Where oh, she's too many, like, Abby. Yeah. Too many. Too many to count. Oh, but, I think um, Leanna Livert, what are you just set up on the front? <laughs> no, everyone's just exactly... looking behind. Go oh, full match. I think again. you just need to channel your inner Matthew Vanderpool and like, if in doubt, later. <laughs> easier, easier said than done. But I was watching Matthew's win yesterday just because it's fascinating. Um, the one in 2019, I think it was. And yeah, it looks like. They just left it a bit too late to react yeah. um, to someone like Demi. Why is Rihanna driving it? I mean, Why not? no one else I mean, from Jumbo is in that group, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're just like racing for something. It doesn't matter. Now. Someone has to do it. Someone has yeah. to drive it. Like that's the thing. Like you, you either do it and think maybe you can still win from it or you don't do it at all and you're definitely not winning at all. So 
you know, I think it's always damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's like if someone starts driving it, they're like, oh, you shouldn't be working too hard. But if they drive it and then they win, they're like, oh, yeah. good job, you know, amazing. Like like AJ did, you know, in Paris. Yeah, Bay. exactly. Let's, yeah, but, um, just this is, go back this one is week. This is incredible. And everyone was like, why, why was AJ doing so much work? Yeah. That's but if why. she'd lost, they would have been like a, I mean, yeah. Whoa. Was that good? Uh, is that Kopecky in second Kopecky, as well? I, I believe so. And Sharin yeah. got third, I think. Wow. That's in, I mean, that's, that's, that was a good sprint by Sharin. That's some lovely energy right there. I mean, I'm not I'm yeah. not surprised that this is how, how Demi won. Um, sorry if I'm ahead from anyone, but, yeah, it's this spoiler. <laughs> um, she was super patient. We've seen the tactic work in the past, like, the thing is, though, not everyone could use that tactic. Someone like Demi, who knows she's not going to get dropped from the front group. She's not going to struggle to be in that group. And so as long as she can be there, then she actually has the um, the power to choose when she wants to use her energy. Um, someone who's not as fit as Demi would maybe have to try and get ahead of the race or get in a move or, you know, like she, she really has that ability to choose um, given her, her strength and fitness. So it's really impressive that she put it in the right place and yeah uh good for us to get a podium especially with having Shireen was attacking a lot earlier um but She's yeah had an incredible spring will yeah. Shireen go on to race um I, I think did I read in the press release this is her last race for the spring or will she race the next two I'm actually not entirely sure. She has done a lot of racing, but she also started late. Like the team didn't make her come to the early races. Like she didn't race Strada Bianchi because she had such a good cycle cross season. And then they, um, you know, more or less enforced an off season for her um, in mm -hmm. order to make sure she could come back for these races flying. So I definitely think she'll, I would assume she's doing the next couple of races because um, she's in such great form. Yeah, um, clearly. And yeah, it's cool to get a podium here as well. Um, we haven't got that many races in the Netherlands, even though, which always surprises me given how good Dutch women's cycling is. Um, I think it must be mean a lot to Demi and also mean a lot to Shireen if she did actually get third. I haven't seen results yet to to perform at a home race. It's really cool. I'm really glad that we we got to see Demi and Lotta like hug. The whole storyline after Strato <laughs> yeah. was was like slightly For infuriating. Sure. I felt like um, the people love when women get are pit pit against other women. So I'm really happy to see them hugging on the TV. Yeah, for us all to I see. Agree. <laughs> it was it was a fair win, and um, I think it's it's the year of one twos in men's and women's cycling. It's in it's crazy, isn't it? That you've got these options, and then you kind of seem to be getting these one two results. Like it's very um strange and impressive, and also just shows the depth of teams. I think that win will mean quite a bit to Vollering. Um, she's talked about how these races are some of the you know, her biggest targets for the year, but also you know, she made a couple of mistakes at Ravenza Pale on Wednesday. Um, she didn't eat enough. She admitted that afterwards and she started her sprint too early. So to be able to uh, win this one and win it the way she did, I think will be very satisfying for her. Definitely. And like having that, that race, you know, just before this race to really see where you're at, like not much is going to change in a few days um, with mm -hmm. your form. So it is cool that you have these races um, to just be like, all right, won't make that mistake again. Or, or, yep, I felt like this or felt like that. So it's cool that she was able to rectify that and just absolutely bring it home for the win, like quite literally bring it home. So 
Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's always fun to watch like how AMSO goes and then be like, okay, well, we've got two more races that are very, very similar. Obviously, Flesh Malone mm. ends on the on the Mirror to Wii, which is uh, really, very really specific kind of finish. Yeah, that exactly. only suits like a handful of riders. And speaking of Brody, who would be your pick for that? Um, who would be my pick for that race? Oh, I, 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 you, I, you know, I would say Marta, but I just don't think she's back there yet. I think, and actually, this is an inside, uh, inside view from Sharin thinks that Femme Van Empel could win that race. Um, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, she's like, I honestly think she could win Flesh Wallone, and I'm like, wow, it's a big call. But it is a race that's kind of a race of truth. Like, if you can get to the bottom of the moor without having used too much energy and you are just someone who thrives on steep climbs, um, you know, and it's it's not extremely technical. Um, it's not that tactical. Again, a lot of the time you just want to get to the moor in a good position and then it's just like see what you can do. So maybe we could see someone like Femme Van Ampel. Um, I believe that Gaia Riolini is racing it, whether she has the the raw power on that shorter climb to get to the top, I'm not sure, but Definitely the murder we feels um, more flat to someone like Guy Rialini than it does to the rest of us. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to see from a personal perspective Amanda Spratt like back at her best game and giving the murder we a go because she's also small, punchy and thrives on those steep climbs. So, um, yeah, my outsider is Leanna Lippert. I think mm-hmm. she's yeah. been doing a lot of training, a lot longer training um than maybe she's done in the past not that i really know her training but it looks like anamique wasn't able to follow those punchy moves today and um yeah leanne lip would be my outsider for flesh alone for sure if anybody in the chat has any questions for brody since the race is is over now shoot your questions into the chat and we can ask brody some questions as we wrap up the episode is there anything in the race that we should that we should talk about you guys think right, like Sorry, I was just gonna say that I think the Van Vluten explosion is interesting. You know, obviously she's got bigger targets later in the year, but she hasn't been good this season so far and I wonder what this means for the Giro and for the tour later on. Um maybe it's nothing, maybe she's just building perfectly and this was a blip today, she had a bad day. I don't know, but I'll be watching that one with interest for sure. Yeah, I wonder like what has changed obviously she's been racing for such a long time and she has her training so dialed and this year just has not gone her way at all she's obviously had some bad luck with mechanicals in omloop and and other places she's not had the best the smoothest run at the races but this particular situation she she looked like she just blew up Mm. yeah i often wonder how many i mean like Anamique is always going to be incredible. And I do think that once we reach this, there's three um, large tours to come. And I think they are what she's really targeting. And those will suit her capabilities a lot more, just that day in, day out on the bike, um, longer climbs, more calculated efforts. Um, But I think that I don't necessarily think Anamique is getting worse. I just think everyone else is getting better. Like even between this year and last year, a whole bunch of these riders at the Ardennes have gone to like specific altitude camps and um, had a rest after the spring classics and 
have access to all the training and resources they need that Anamie, to her credit, was kind of doing herself a long time ago and the rest of Women's Peloton just wasn't there. And it does make a difference. So I, I believe that, I don't, yeah, I don't think Anamie's performance is faltering. I think everyone else is just kind of able to catch up. Like I, I was amazed how many women's teams were, um, were training at altitude. And obviously if you're training at altitude and it's managed well and professionally, not just here or there, it offers a huge advantage. You're able to recover quicker. You're able to, um, you know, and if you time it well, you're able to perform better. So I think that's probably what it is. Um, and, yeah, I do think that by the time the Tour de France comes around, we'll see Annemiek at her very, very best. And let's not forget that, sorry, that the World Championships are, are closer this year as well. So if she's planning on having a really big, block and trying to maybe take the Vuelta, the Giro and the Tour. I don't know if that's her plan. Um, the World Championships, I think, are a week and a half or something after the finish of the Tour de France. So there's a, a great deal of racing in a very short period of time coming up. Yeah. Brody, we have a, one question from a fan, from a fan, from a listener. Um, with the crash at Gamwevelgem and having to reset your goals for the season what are you targeting now Hmm. so yeah it's crazy you really have to do this big mental shift of like all these things I've been working towards every day since you know the off season finished last year have just been pulled out from underneath me so I'm actually aiming for the tour of Switzerland tour de Swiss um I will probably be racing before that but in terms of getting to a place where I'm happy with my strength and fitness and having some racing in the legs. The Tour de Suisse is my first big goal. Um, I really enjoyed that race last year. There's a time trial in it and I'm obviously spending a lot of time on the TT bike on the Ergo. So hopefully I got to, got to make that count somewhere. Um, yeah. And then just like, I don't know if I'm selected for the Tour de France or not and anything can change. So my goal is, remains the same as last year is that just, uh, work towards being in top shape for the Giro and the Tour de France. And then if I do get selected, then at least I'll be ready. And if I don't get selected, I don't know, I'll find something else to do, like a mountain bike race or a gravel race or something. <laughs> <laughs> or a, a bike, I don't know, something else, a hard training ride. <laughs> um, Natalia asks if you prefer salt or salty or sweet snacks. Sweet. I'm definitely a sweet person. Um, so one of the things that, like, I don't, I don't really like, chips to me they just taste like piles of salt but i'll more than happily like eat a spoonful of sugar (laughs) out of the sugar jar so there's your answer but um in in races at the end of a race if i feel like something sweet i know that i probably haven't fueled well enough in the race and i'm really good at fueling i can take on a lot of like i usually take in between 100 to 120 grams of carbs an hour no problem um but if for whatever reason like you know a race that's cold and rainy and difficult if I haven't eaten enough and I feel like something sweet after the race that's my sign usually after a race I don't feel immediately hungry but I am craving something salty and like you know actual food rather than sugary water so that's just a side note there it's not a matter of calculating carbs it's a matter of do I feel like sweet or salty at the end of a race? <laughs> Which leads to a very, very good question. If you were at Flanders this year, would you have accepted the the fritz that they were giving the to you at the podium? I'm a pizza, so I would have been like, thanks, and then given them to the mechanic or something. 
<laughs> because I just don't. I don't know. I just don't. I'm just not a. I'm not a chip person. I don't know if that's a. I'd have to be super dehydrated if I really felt like chips. Yeah, I don't know. I actually am a fan of the plain pasta and rice with salt at the end of a race. Um, but yeah, I think maybe for the for the whole Belgian experience, I would have asked for chips and a chips and a beer had I actually won the race. <laughs> that was a perfect athlete response. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. There's, there's no shame. I think chips have a good place in an athlete diet because they do contain a lot of salt. Um, living in a sh- like my boyfriend smashes the chips after all of his training rides and he also loses a lot more salt than me so I feel like it's a very wise nutritional choice <laughs> there's a place for everything in, nut- in nutrition it's you true. can have cake too it's just like about when and where when you eat well, exactly I'll also eat lollies after dinner at night because they taste good whereas other athletes will tell you they're only for during races but again that's my sweet tooth coming out <laughs> hey <laughs> Linda Williamson she used to not be able to sleep before a race unless she ate lollies like before going to bed and she's the world champion so there wow. you go I, I I back that I back that actually one of my dietitians once told me it's a good idea to have a little sleep snack before bed if you're in a heavy training block because it does just keep your glucose topped up and I'm like I mean you don't need to justify it to me but sure that's nice to know (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh I want to talk like just really quick about like two things in the top 10 and then we can wrap up this episode and let Brody get back to her her healing it's very important I think everybody here wants to see you back in the races so I think I want to talk about how Kasia finished fourth because she always peaks for this block of races and so now I believe I will be picking her for Liege Bass on Liege. But Sarai Paladin, fifth. Canyon Stram, four five. They do this all mm. the time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, five for Georgie with a really good result in seventh, considering that she was targeting the Cobble Classics and is kind of coming down from her her targets at this point before she kind of recessed for the rest of the summer. And Anne McMahon Bluton still finished 11th. She was in the back of that group. So she she climbed back up. So I wonder if she had a mechanical, actually, or something along those lines where she was dropped by that group and it wasn't a fitness thing. Because to get back into that group the way that they were going, obviously they weren't going full gas, but they were they still had a huge gap on her on the Cowberg. Thoughts? Anybody? I would. I agree with your sentiment about Canyon Tram in fourth and fifth. It's just like, you know, and often we see Elise Elise Shabby in the top ten as well. I just, I do wonder how they, whether they just, you know, don't take the race into their own hands and just kind of be more passive, and then have three girls in the final rather than attacking. Um, But at the same time, we obviously love seeing riders attack. So I don't know. I think it. You know, a lot of the time you don't want to say just wait, be patient. But this was a race that SD Works was going to take into their own hands. So I, I wonder if they could have just tried to, you know, send Soraya in the final or have Soraya sprint in the final or have Cassie attack. And, you know, I don't know how else they could have done it. But maybe they just need to wait and not take it into their own hands. Like, I, I know that other riders, the other teams aren't looking at Canyon Shram to to take responsibility of the race. Um, so I'm not sure why they do that, but it is it is very good to watch and it's an awesome ride by Soraya and, and Cassia to finish fourth. So 
And Anamika, I think we'll find out very soon on Twitter because she'll probably write about what happened. The race Dutch. wasn't hard then... enough for her, yeah. <laughs> Surely, oh gosh, it looked very hard. But yes, uh, what do you mean? Also, we had um, Ashwin and Passio up there, so she's... This is another week for her. Sylvia Persico, who won Bourbon's Appeal. That was a really good race. A really good win. Mm. Some very, very interesting tactics, good and bad. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of a lot of interesting riders in this bunch. And Flesh Malone, as Lauren said, is a very specific finish. But Liege Bast on Liege is pretty wide open for me when I look at the top twenty of the race today. Yeah, that's a well, very good Well, wide point. open, but like heavily skewed toward SD Works, but wide open open if you just kind of ignore <laughs> SD Works. <laughs> if you just pretend they're not there, then it's wide open. Yeah, I think, I reckon we could see, I, I mean, I know I race for Trek Segafredo now, but I do actually think that seeing as I don't feel like a racer anymore since I'm just sitting on the couch watching races, I'm allowed to judge. Um, I actually do think that Trek could have a really good liege based on liege with Spratty and um, Elisa Longo, Shirin, like um, Guy Rialini there to support as well. I, I really see that I think they'll come up really well for that race. Um, and, yeah, Sylvia Persico, I'm such a fan. I saw a video of her wheeling the other day in the uh, Amstel Gold Recon and I was just, like, mind blown. So i like to see her continue to to win races too. Oh, and Demi's dog is at the finish. Oh, I love that dog. I mean, again, I'm just a fan who watches Demi's dog on Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so cool. All right. Oh. Does anyone have any last minute questions for Brody or for us or Matt, Lauren? Did I? Did, is there anything you guys want to chat about really quick, and then we can wrap it up? Uh, I guess Brody, I'd be keen to know how you would approach the SD works problem, like seeing them go one, two in so many races this season. How, if you were going into Liege, Liege, on Liege and Flesh on, how do you try and combat that? Um, it's hard to say. A lot of teams like want to just do their own plan and race the race how they want to race it and not always be talking about what other teams are doing. But maybe given the dominance of SD Works, it is worth just being like, right, these are the riders you mark, like in, in football, and you just mark them at all times. Um, so that would be one uh, strategy. Um, otherwise, like personally, me, I think that, again, from the couch, if I was in that group in the final, you know, if I hadn't done too much work earlier, it would mean I would just get on the front and try and close the gap immediately. Or I... I don't know. I think if we had teammates there, you just absolutely burn one to to do everything you can to not let that gap go out. But when Demi attacked, it was already such a reduced elite. It's pretty hard to answer that question. And, I mean, Demi and Lotta together are both just such strong riders. I mean, SD Works do hire extremely already winning riders and then put them all together. So we've seen that work favor and we've also seen it cause issues but i think that they've obviously figured out how to make it work in their favor i think just maybe maybe marking riders i wonder if a lot of their success this year is because van de bregen is obviously in the car but she's had a year under her belt as a director now and so she's getting more used to that role and i wonder if she's been part of that success and 
not as many tactical mistakes that we've seen in the past. Even when they've won, they've had some pretty terrible tactics sometimes. But Mm. this year, it seems with all the one-twos, I don't know. I think that part of it might come down to Vandenbergen being in the car for more races. Yeah, I I agree. And I think um, diversifying the team and that, you know, Lotta Kopecky was their flagship sprinter. Um, and then they hired Lorena Webus and Lotta Kopecky has been able to adapt to a lot more different types of races, which, yeah, just, I mean, she's always an option. There's not really that many races this time of year that you'd ever count her out of winning. So, um, and yeah, she's just Lotta Kopecky. She's incredible. So, <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Brody, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing having you on the podcast and we hope, yeah, hope your healing continues to go well and that you're back in the races soon. No worries. Yeah. I'm actually going to get on the ergo, um, while the men's race is on, it makes the time pass a lot quicker and, um, yeah, thank you. I hope to be racing again soon. <laughs> it, it feels like such a long time. It feels hard to watch from the couch, but I'm trying to I mean, even these discussions about tactics and what you would do and watching it from the other side, I believe there's a lot to be learned from it as well Um, because obviously I'm just not thinking about myself at all. I'm trying to analyse everything else. So I think it's helpful helpful to have this perspective and and your guys' perspective too. Like It's it's a cool discussion, people whose job it is is to analyse races. So thank you. (laughs) 